So, we're gathered on an auspicious occasion, auspicious day, within an auspicious month. And so, today we depart from our normal schedule, and thus far, which has been discussing of the uh, Dhammadarastakam to discuss the Govardhan Leela. <coughs> and um, this is a Leela of Krishna, the divine play of Krishna, in an intimate, uh, transcendent, pastoral setting, herding cows instead of sheep. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I want to begin the discussion, as is appropriately so, by uh, way of speaking about Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Ki Jai. And uh, we'll segue then through his Leela, his appearance in the world some 500 years ago. Um, and f- from that, as his ecstasy would take him, into Krishna Leela, we will enter there. And to preface the discussion of Sriman Mahaprabhu, to help to bring everyone into the uh, significance of his appearance in the world, I want to read a paragraph or two. Um, that I cited in my recent book, Sacred Preface. You can get it at darshanpress.com. So, please uh, pay attention. Over 500 years ago after his disappearance, excuse me, over 500 years ago after his appearance, after the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the world, about 500 years ago, Christian theologian John Moffat expresses his view of Sri Chaitanya in his journey to Gorakhpur, an encounter with Christ beyond Christianity. The theologian John Moffat wrote, If I were asked to choose one man in Indian religious history who best represents the pure spirit of devotional self-giving, I would choose the Vaishnavite saint, Sri Chaitanya, whose full name in religion was Krishna Chaitanya, or Krishna Consciousness. Of all the saints in recorded history, East and West, he seems to me the supreme example of a soul carried away on a tide of ecstatic love of God. This extraordinary man who belongs to the rich period beginning with the end of the 14th century represents the culmination of the devotional schools that grew up around Krishna. When he debated with philosophers, Chaitanya would be scholarly as the great teachers or acharyas of old like Shankar, Ramanuja, and Madhva. In his teaching of the path of devotion to the general public, however, he continued to stress utter devotion to the Lord. His devotion was to be developed through hearing, this, excuse me, this devotion was to be developed through hearing and singing the name and glories of God, Krishna, meditating on his form and attributes and his life on earth, worshipping him in his temples, resigning oneself to his will, trying to do only what would please him, serving his devotees and showing kindness to all beings. Chaitanya aroused in his followers a flood of passionate love of God. As a result, a wave of religious fervor swept 
over Bengal and Orissa. Yet, despite the emotionalism of his teachings brought about by he himself, brought about, despite the emotionalism his teachings brought about, he himself was extremely strict. He closely watched the morals of those who were around him, sternly reproving any form of self-indulgence. Though literally worshipped by thousands as Krishna himself, he led a simple and austere life. Chaitanya delighted intensely in nature. It is said that, like St. Francis of Assisi, he had a miraculous power over wild beasts. His life in the holy town of Puri is the story of a man in a state of almost continuous spiritual intoxication, illuminating discourses, deep contemplation, moods of loving communion with God were daily occurrences. Suman Mahaprabhu ki jai, John Moffat ki jai. So a brief introduction to the founder of our lineage. Jiva Goswami, in his in his brief commentary on the uh, his treatise entitled Satsandarbha, what is that commentary on Satsandarbha of his? Uh, just the name's just escaping me, but anyway, there he describes Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the founder of his own lineage, hmm? which there are many branches. We are one, one leaf on one branch of the tree. So, in here, Mr. Moffat has. Uh, referred to Jagannath Puri, and Jagannath Puri is a seaside village in India, where the largest uh, temple complex for Krishna is found there. The name of the deity, the name for Krishna is Jagannath, Lord of the Universe, and um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu resided there for many years and retired there from public life to a private life that was uh, entered into by the force of his devotion that caused ecstasy to uh, um, overwhelm him in such a way that he was not capable of uh, continuing to relate to the public, which when he was capable of doing, he only related to them by way of speaking to them about uh, Krishna, uh, about love of God, and um, exhibiting symptoms of love of God that uh, the, the uh, cross-culturally the religious world and the secular world would have to take uh, seriously um, love-intoxicated persons. So the force of that love from speaking and teaching about it and um, um, uh, hearing and chanting the holy names of, of God and so forth forced him, so to speak, to retire from the public life. And then, and it is this section, then, of his um, hagiography, or sacred biography, entitled Chaitanya Charitamrita, that we turn primarily with regard to a verse that he sang and the effects of that verse, a verse about 
Govardhan. Govardhan. Go means cow, and Vardhana means to increase. So that which, the basic idea is that which gives, uh, nourishes the cows. Hmm. Cows are thought to be givers, as I've often said. What they give is considerable in, consider- in consideration of what they take. They take grass, and grass grows everywhere without asking it, even asking it not to. It grows there sometimes. And for a little grass, they give the valuable commodity of, of milk. And um, even when they can't give milk, just by passing dung, you can have rich fertilizer for, for growing, tilling the fields, and nourishing oneself. So the people, if you will, uh, that uh, surround Krishna in the idyllic meditative realm of pastoral Vrindavan, as it's, it's called, called, they're all cow people. Mm, he himself is depicted as a cow herder, like Jesus is depicted as a, a shepherd. Mm. So with the common people, mm, and um, who have uncommon, who have full of common sense, which is very uncommon. Mm. And uh, so this inner meditative world is, of course, the absorption of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that's brought about by his chanting the name of Krishna. And um, so in the context of that madness and um, his moving really from the public life to the retired life, he voiced this verse, which is a verse from Srimad Bhagavatam. This is the second time in this sacred biography that he has done so. The first time, I should say, was when he came to Vrindavan. This is in his public life, when he was walking across the breadth of India and, uh, and went through the forests uh, where, as, as Mr. Moffat mentioned, it's been recorded by his assistant that he caused animals that were normally um, inimical towards one another to embrace in the context of his chanting and so forth and showed miraculous powers, if you will, to um, capacity to to unite um, living beings um, and and take them above and beyond their their animality and their sense of being competitors and at odds with one another to survive and so forth, um, positing a kind of survival of the kindest uh, perspective. Hmm. Uh, that kindness is, is, is the most fitness, uh, to, so to speak, had to be most fit. Uh, so uh, passing through there, he went to Vrindavan, and when he came, in the center of Vrindavan is, is this mountain. This, uh, this is uh, named Govardhan because it is a pastoral land and the hill provides many nice grasses for the cows. So it is a place that the cowherd settlement, or nomadic kind of settlement, uh, uh, associates of Krishna chose to to um, um, make as their uh, residence because of the the um, uh, that which was provided by the mountain Govardhan. You can. Uh, experienced that here to some extent. We live in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, and and um, it's hard to see one mountain alone. A beautiful, uh, if you want to see a beautiful uh, picture, uh, 
of a mountain. Um, it's, I forget its name, but just as it come out of Seattle in the northwest, Mount Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier. Hmm? Mount Rainier. Mount, no, it's Mount Rainier. It's so beautiful, towering uh, up alone, and uh, and uh, you can just get the feeling that is providing for so many living beings a shelter, a habitat in so many ways. Hmm? So the mountains are looked at um, by the sages in this way as beneficent, munificent, uh, kind, and a, a shelter-giving hmm? type of uh, phenomenon, hmm? which they tend to uh, personify in their writings with the idea that behind, behind all the movements of matter is, is consciousness. Hmm? And, um, and so coming into Vrindavan on his travels in his public life, he came to the foot of Govardhan and he sang this verse at this time, which is a glorification of Govardhan. And um, at that time he was shy to step foot on Govardhan because he thought it to be so sacred. He thought it to be such a prominent manifestation of nature that was so munificent, as I'm explaining and providing for others, that it, it struck him as, a, an, as an example or a manifestation of nature that reminded him of the Godhead who is the protector of all, the nourisher of all. That and a little bit more. Um, we find this idea in the 10th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna is speaking to his friend, the warrior Arjuna, and he says, you may understand me in a general way by by thinking of powerful manifestations of nature as uh, examples of all of my own power of um, among bodies of water i am on i am the ocean um, uh, he would say and among trees, I am the redwoods, or something like that, uh, and uh, it extends and so forth. Um, and he goes through a list of many, many powerful manifestations of nature and prominent persons in different fields and so forth. These are called vibhutis. Uh, it means like that a prominent manifestation of nature that, that typically causes us to, affords us an opportunity to experience a kind of Epiphany um, that that involves stepping back from our normal perspective, where we tend to see things as subjects, as objects, and ourselves as the subject. Everything moving around ourselves and for ourselves and so forth. These prominent figures, prominent manifestations of nature and so forth, um, cause us to can can cause us to step back from that perspective. And see ourselves more as, as a as a dependent entity, more as an, and not as the the center, but to be off off center. Hmm? And that's useful. People have this experience, and they it, sometimes it's very trans, transformative for them. Hmm? Unfortunately, some people in the uh, scientific community who are atheistic, um, and not all the scientists, but those who are. 
sometimes say, oh, I understand what the religious epiphany is of uh, people with the spiritual mind bent. I've also stood on Mount Rainier. I've also gone to the, you know, to the Bay of Bengal or to the Niagara Falls, and I've had an epiphany. Um, but what I want to say here is this is just the beginning, if you will, of a shift in perspective uh, toward in the direction of the spiritual. It doesn't constitute the full experience that Mr. Moffat is speaking about here that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personified, as we'll hear in the description of what happened to him when he sang this uh, song on the second occasion, this time in Jagannath Puri. <clears throat> there in Puri he saw on the beach a, a, a sand dune. <clears throat> and in his ecstasy, he saw it as, as, as the Govardhan mountain, the mountain that is central to the pastoral area and leela of Krishna, as I'm describing. It, um, it's something like, uh, you have to appreciate that, according to your heart and your condition, you will see things accordingly. So, you know, if you're, if you're a, you know, maybe a Donald Trump, you might see women as ob- objects to be used at your for your pleasure. If you have a different perspective in your heart that you're maintaining, you'll see a little differently. So one man, for example, will see everything turns into a, an impetus for, for, for sex, for example. Another person with a different perspective will see the world accordingly, right? Hmm? So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's perspective was love of God, love of Krishna. And so when he saw a, a sand dune, it reminded him of Govardhan. Not only reminded him of Govardhan, but in his ecstasy, it became Govardhan. And it became an impetus for the, the experience of the Leela at the foot of the mountain that is uh, um, a regular occurrence in, uh, in Vrindavan, the Leela, the play of Krishna, Radha, Ram and so forth. And so, as this uh, uh, vision overtook him, he uttered this verse from the Bhagavatam, Hantayam Adrir Abala Haridasa Varjo Yadrama Krishna Charna Sparsha Pramodha Manam Tonoti Sahagoganayos Tayorjat Paniya Suyavasa Kandara Kandamulai When he, we'll go through the meaning of the verse in a, in a minute. This is the the Sanskrit of it. Um, go through the English in some detail. But when he sang this verse, then he ran towards the hill of uh, Govardhan as he saw it towards the sand dune, and those few associates that were with him at the time were sh- stunned, and then they began to run after him. Hmm? Suruptamarar, Jagadanandit, Ramai Pandit, several Krishnadas Kaviraj lists in one of his Bengali verses, all of whom are in Madhurasa, hmm? in romantic, have romantic love for Krishna, hmm? Radha and Krishna. Then in the next verse he cites 
Paramananda Puri, Brahmananda Bharati, Bhagwana Charja, who is said to have limped along behind, being somewhat lame. He was lame in one leg, and he was in Sakyarasa. <laughs> so he's <laughs> it's a beautiful idea. Of course, he's mentioned there along with uh, Paramananda Puri, who is thought to be uh, Uddhava, also some connection with Braj and the and the and the and the romantic life of Krishna, um, but not in the full um, ecstasy of romantic love, but rather in servile love, um, imbued with uh, friendship, sakya. So, hmm. these devotees ran after him and they caught up with him where he had fallen on the ground in a swoon and he, in, a, in a trance he became unconscious. Hmm. And, and, and tears poured from his eyes like a waterfall. Hmm. And his body, in his body, all his, his, in the pores of his body, they blossomed at first like flowers, like, you know, like goosebumps or something like that, but visibly. Typically you might feel some horripilation, but others won't see it, but everyone could see it. And then from every pore of his body, he began to bleed. Hmm? When Rupa Goswami describes the symptoms of ecstatic love of God that are uncontrollable, these are called sattvika bhavas, hmm? um, he mentions eight, and one other one, nine, relative to vatsalya rasa, parental love, but typically eight. And then they they appear one or two, three or four, or eight, perhaps all at once would be very extraordinary. And in the stage of sudipta, they appear all at once, many times over. And Rupa Goswami says, there are others that are so rare symptoms that I'm not mentioning them here. I think Jiva Goswami comments, like blood pouring from the pores of the body and so forth. This is very kind of ghastly oh. sounding. Hmm? And so there are people who hear about this and think, and that's your goal? Yikes. To fall on the ground, cry and bleed from every pore of your body and so on and so forth. But there's a nice verse to help us appreciate this in the Bengali um uh, of Krishna Das, he says, what is the verse? Paya joli vishahoi bitare anandamoy Krishna premier adbhutta charitha. Paya vishajolahoi. On the outside, this love, the, ca- the, the character, Krishna premier adbhutta, the wonder, adbhutta charitha, the wonderful character of prem, of love, of Krishna, is such that on the outside, hmm, it looks disconcerting, hmm, undesirable. But but the fact is that inside it is full of ecstasy. Hmm. How can we appreciate this if we want to reverse that out to material life? It looks good on the outside sometimes, hmm, but is pervaded internally by some sense of of estrangement and unable to fit in and and uh, anxiety it looks like 
they say a bowl of cherries, but it was just the pits, something like that. <laughs> a little crude, but help us appreciate that material life is such that the good, the happiness that we derive, hmm, as much as it is based on attachment to things that we can't keep, is the beginning of the suffering that it will give birth to when it's no longer ours. We love someone, and then that conglomeration of matter and psyche disappears, and then we are forlorn. So the very thing that causes us happiness, attachment, followed through the natural course of events, brings us unhappiness. So that's really unhappiness all the way around. Hmm? And on the spiritual side, hmm, that which looks like unhappiness is actually happiness. And also, also, in more ways than one, but in this way, this extraordinary um, ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appearing like physical symptoms and so forth is also a way of um, in which love of God kind of tends to hide itself. And in order to understand it, you have to look very closely and hear very carefully, and and so that there's there's wisdom to love of God. Hmm? It may look on the surface like one thing, because love tends to want to share itself, and at the same time it realizes, oh, everybody can appreciate, so it tends to hide itself as well, to conceal itself. In love, lovers have their own language that only they can understand, even in voiced in public between themselves, their own jokes and names for one another and so forth. So there's a private side to life and there's a there's an attempt to share it publicly and the attempt to share it publicly only goes so far. And with regard to devotional love, when we try to glorify Krishna publicly, we spend our whole life like that. At a certain point, he will said, you know that about me? You're telling that to people? Mm. That is my private life. Better you come with me. Mm. Take us back into that. Let's start talking now. Yeah, right. Mm. In such a way that, only that he will be forced to stop you. Oh, those things you say, you feel like that about me. You belong. I cannot bear your separation any longer. So yeah, for this reason, he makes his appearance in the lives of the devotees. Hmm. Kirtan, you see, glorifying is the way. Hmm. So Mahaprabhu Chaitanya Dev, he appeared like this, and it was disconcerting in some respects to the devotees, and at the same time they 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 wanted to bring him to external consciousness, so they began to chant, and gradually he came out from his uh, his trance, and then he said, "Oh, you made a noise and brought me here," and I was at the foot of Govardhan, and there I saw Krishna and his cows and his friends, and the gopis, the, the milkmaidens, who love him romantically. They came, and Radha and Krishna, Krishna and his consort, Radha, his shakti, went into a cave, a private cave, and then the gopis, they, they asked me, pick some flowers, and assist in this way, and bring them to the cave. This way he explained something about his experience. And now you've all, where am I? He got up looking looking for something and it was gone. Hmm? Mm. Now you've brought me to external consciousness. Mm. So this is an important point out as an aside that in spiritual ecstasy of, of a superlative devotee, for example, 
um, he or she will have also external consciousness, kind of an intermediate consciousness, partially internal and external, and sometimes fully internal consciousness. In order to relate and deal with the world, he or she has to be to some extent an external consciousness. We find this in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's not like Krishna is always there talking to him, telling him do this, do that, and, and so on and so forth, holding his 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 pen or you understand, as some people mistakenly understand. So you should un- we should understand what is Uttam Bhagwat and what is their experience and so forth. Mm. So from ex- internal consciousness, fully internal, he came to external consciousness. And this is the the song there in the prayer, the verse from the Bhagavad that he that he sang and 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 upon singing it caused him to run to um, Govardhan Hill. And as I say, it's a beautiful verse from the Bhagavatam. Hmm? It appears in the 21st chapter of the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam, which is a um, chapter sometimes re- referred to as Venu Gita, the song of the flute. The gopis are singing in general, about the attractive power of Krishna's flute that he that he plays and causes stones, stones to melt, solid things to turn into liquid, liquid things turn into solids, hmm? cause the cows to bear milk just by, produce milk by blowing it. It's a magical flute, if you will. And uh, his main aim is to attract the attention of Radha through his flute playing. So... Um, they have not um, had an encounter with him uh, to date that 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 um, that confirms their love for him and his love for them. And this is called Purvarag. So this is a type of love and separation, which is a big, big subject. There's love in union and love in separation. It said separation makes the heart grow fonder. So separation is, in one sense, a part of union because its 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 whole purpose is to make the union, to enrich the union. Um, Krishna explains this himself in the Bhagavatam when he disappears from the gopis in the midst of their connection with one another in the, in the autumn uh, full moon night. And uh, then he disappears. He disappears from them at that time, and then he reappears and explains why. He says that when someone gets something very valuable, and then loses it, its value increases a millionfold. So sometimes I separate myself apparently from my devotees to make their love grow, and then to the public, I can showcase their love that people may understand how great they are, what is the measure of their love, and so forth. So these are the wonderful workings of the, of, of the Godhead, if you will. So the gopis, in this chapter that this verse comes, they're in Purvarag. Purvarag means, it means that, that uh, it's a kind of separation because they want to have union and they fall in love with him by hearing about him, by seeing a picture of him, by having a dream about him. Hmm? 
by hearing his flute, for example. Hmm. Um, and so, yet, yet they haven't exchanged words and, and so forth. It will appear in one sense first in Krishna, secondarily in the gopis, because of the shyness of the Ramanis, of the gopis, hmm? and of the lack of shyness in men when they fall in love in the same way. Hmm? But in another sense, in an overarching and deeper sense, it appears first in the ashray, in the shelter of the love, in the, in the devotee, hmm? and then in, then, in, then in Krishna. So it's appearing in the gopis, this Purvarag. They're, they're feeling separation from him, even though they haven't met him, based on having heard about him and, and, and fallen in love with him, something like that. Like somebody has a picture of some some movie star or something. Paul as, hmm? Paul McCartney, is that who you like? <laughs> when you were a kid. When you were a kid. Okay. And you hadn't met him. You had poor Virag. Okay, James Dean it was for you. Okay. Okay. So, so for, for Krishna then it all becomes perfect because he's the perfect object of love. He's not just a, an appearance that will be gone tomorrow. Hmm? So, so they, they experience this poor viraga and they begin to sing and so forth amongst one another. Very many beautiful um, verses. And um, so this is one of them. And in this verse, it is said by Raghunathas Goswami that, that Radha herself, the chief amongst the gopis, is uh, speaking this verse. Hantayam adir abalaharidasavaryo. The word hanta means, oh, it's an exclamation of goodness and uh, wonder. Hanta hmm? adrir, adrir means uh, the hill. Ayam, hayantam. Ayam means like it's nearby, right over here. This hill, hmm? um, referring to Govardhan. Abala Haridasa Bardyo. Abala is a name that is a word that she's using to describe her friends. Oh, my dear friends! So she's in, she's in a circle of other ladies, all who have similar feelings, feelings that they can't share with anybody, because in the leela, in the play, of course, it's inappropriate for them to show their love. They're not married with Krishna or anything like the secret thing. Other types of love for Krishna, like friendship, parental love, servile love, and so forth, that can be shown in the public. But the love of the gopis for Krishna, this is a hidden thing. It's a very, it's a very morally conservative uh, society, in a sense, within within the leela. And uh, if young girls are to be with young boys, there need to be a chaperone and a proper arrangement, and so on and so forth, as it's thought. But uh, of course, this is all to help us appreciate the measure of their love, because if a young girl falls in love with a young boy and you try to reason with her and tell her he's from the wrong side of town, then that will only cause the love to flourish and rage that much more. And next thing you know, out the window she will go. <laughs> and so this is how this love is talked about to help emphasize the intensity of the uh, romantic love for Krishna. So in the Leela, it's it's a secret thing. Hmm? In one sense, everybody wants it, but it's not socially proper 
from a parental point of view, for Radha to be with Krishna. They would like it, but they can't say it to anybody, really, because it's it's not not possible, and there's reasons for that we won't go into. Um, and uh, some of Krishna's friends are aware of that and assist secretly in the rendezvous and so forth in the, in the Leela. Mm-hmm. But they're also hush about that. They're not. This is avahita, concealment. There's a sanchari bhava, transitory bhava that comes and goes concealment. So the gopis are involved in the con- concealing this. They're amongst themselves and kind of checking one another out. Hmm? You feel the same way I feel, and holding one another's hands and 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 expressing their 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 what they consider to be their unfortunate position. Hmm? That they love Krishna, but they can't express it openly like everyone else. So it's burning and smoldering and, and, and volcanic within, waiting to erupt. And for the sadhaka, of course, the practitioner, there's a lesson from this. And Narutam says it very nicely in his, his Bengali songs, teaching us the way. Don't reveal your ecstasy, your love. Hmm. It's not some. as they said in the Bible, don't throw pearls before the swine. Hmm? It may be discussed in certain circles amongst those who ha- who who can understand, empathize, and 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 in, in company with whom it will flourish. But to show it to the public, and uh, it, it it may it may then diminish, hmm? if not properly um, cherished, if you will. Um, and uh, so to keep you have to keep. Keep a sadhak has to keep a lid on it to some extent. Hmm. For preaching and explaining, sometimes you have to take it off a little bit. But hmm. so this idea, if you will, of concealing one's ecstasy, it's said by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati by Puja Patrita Maharaj, that is Guru Maharaj, my Paramuru or Grand Guru Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, if a tear of ecstasy began to come in his eye, he would immediately wipe it away. Meanwhile, you have to understand there are many imitative devotees who imitate the symptoms of ecstasy in order to get attention and cheap following and so on and so forth. Once there was a there was a kirtan in 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 London in one of Prabhupada's temples, and some Indian fellow was coming, and whenever the kirtan would start, he would fall on the ground and roll around and kick and like this, and the devotees of disciples of Prabhupada didn't know what to make of it. Maybe the guy's in ecstasy or something like that. But this ecstasy is not very common. This is a very high thing. And so Prabhupada said, kick him in the head and see how he reacts. And this is a way of saying, you know, this is, this is just nonsense. These Indian people do this all the time, you know. <laughs> they imitate the, you know, they, you have also your holy rollers and stuff, I suppose, too. Um, that kind of thing. Um, and, and we're going to cure the disease, and here it is, and... You know, and so forth, and so there's imitation in all schools of religion of a high and valuable thing. That unfortunately, when it gets enough circulation, it causes thoughtful people to dismiss altogether something that really is possible to attain extraordinary ecstasy of 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 of, of love of God and, and intimacy and union with the with the with the divine and so forth. So. Of course, they didn't kick him in the head, but they, but they realized that the guy was an imitator, and so forth. So, so some concealment on the part of great devotees. We see that this is not only a practice for this for the purpose of teaching, 
because by imitating ecstasy, all kinds of people might come. But by teaching the actual philosophy, a few people will come only. <laughs> but those will be the ones that were, who are interested in understanding the ground, if you will, out of which the ecstasy arises. Hmm? And then learning to stand and walk on that ground and see the world from that vantage point of the of the teaching, the spiritual conclusions, hmm? then those persons' ecstasy will arise. If we come just for because somebody looks like they're ecstatic and out of some sentiment and so forth, and we have no no regard for the tattva, for the philosophy, and learning how to stand on that and so forth, if you will, and, um, then it's uh, unlikely that such ecstasy will come within us. So it's easy to get a cheap uh, following in one sense by imitation, but by speaking the teachings, which aren't just come and have ecstasy and but give up your ego and it's like whoa I don't know if I want to go to that class again yeah. something like that it might be a little off-putting for those who are not ready to do the work at hand I'll give you an example if you want a mango if you come to me and ask for a mango. And I say, sure, I'll give you one, no problem. Then I go and come out with this, this dried-up seed. I say, here you go, here's a mango. And he said, what are you talking about? It's supposed to be a juicy thing. You know, I've heard it's juicy and delicious and smells nice and so forth. And I said, look, you know, this is a mango. Well, what am I supposed to do with it? How do I get any juice out of it? Very simple. You dig a hole and put it in the ground. What do you mean? Mangoes come from the tops of trees. They don't come from the hole in the ground. Put put dirt on top of it. Hmm? Then put water on it. Hmm? Then weed it. Hmm? And do that for five, six years. Hmm? Hmm? And I said, ah, I'll go somewhere else to get a mango. Hmm? Right? Hmm? But there's work to be had, to be done. Hmm? Right? And that is this serious commitment of spiritual practice in removing the dirt of material desire from the heart and so forth and so on. First, you have to clean the room before you decorate it. So people like to hear the flowery descriptions of love of God and so forth, but when it's time to talk about how to get there, they've got something else to do. Time's run out now. <laughs> so don't run out at that time. And in this way, this concealment that is very much part of the Madhurya Lila. It's also part of the Sakyarasa, the friendly love that's involved with the, this, um, these affairs in the Lila. It carries over and plays out in the life of the Sadaka, the practitioner. Do you follow me? Hmm? This concealment. There's a place for that. So they are, Radhika speaking here, and they're experiencing this. So she refers to her friends around here, my dear friends, with the word abala. Abala means like strength. Abala means then weak. Hmm? So she's speaking about her weakness and the weakness of the gopis in one sense, that uh, they're in a weak position. Others can openly voice love for Krishna, express it. We can't do that. I guess we don't have love for Krishna. Hmm? They're self-deprecating in a way that uh, this love causes them to uh, to uh, to do hmm. he's saying we're not strong like uh, like the cowherd boys who helped Krishna lift the Govardhan hill hmm. Hmm? the Leela Krishna is lifting the hill with this little 
finger on his left hand like this. And so the boys, the friends of Krishna, they're helping him with their sticks. And So we're not capable of doing that. This is our weakness. Of course, the real the fact of the matter is that Krishna's lifting the hill, and the reason that he's got one finger up and the other's down like this is so that without anybody noticing, he can look through here and see Radharani's face and get strength from her. And meanwhile, Govardhan is not really being held up. He's jumping up the hill in ecstasy to think, Krishna loves Radha, Radha loves Krishna. He's waving on top like that, signaling to the rest of the Vrindavan. <laughs> so, Balaram, look at Krishna. What's, he, what's going on there, his brother? Where is he, where is he getting the strength to do that? So... The point is that their position, the Gopi's position, is actually quite strong. It's called samartarati. It has the capability of completely being competent to completely captivate Krishna, hmm? make God a plaything, so to speak, in the hands of their love, hmm? overwhelm the absolute, hmm? make him like a like a uh, like a, um, a dear Lalita. A, a, a lover who's dependent upon, who's henpecked, so to speak, uh, turning God into, 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 into such a position. This is extraordinary. The power of their of their bhakti. Hmm? So she says, "Oh, my dear, weak friends, uh, we're not strong like Govardhan, who is is powerful. He is." is thought to be the, the tea lock of Braj. So if you were to take the land of Vrindavan of Braj and make a picture of it and per, as like a per, person, then on the head was the tea lock. This tea lock is, is a marking for the Vishnu devotees, devotees of Krishna, by which they proudly proclaim their devotion. In India, different sects have different markings. Hmm? Shaivite, the worship of Shiva, have markings that go like this, and so forth and so on. Just like in the Western culture, people have markings also to identify themselves with different uh, ideas and so forth, lipstick and mascara and, and who knows what, and, uh, and all kind of things. Um, so modes of dress and, and cosmetics and so forth, but now this is from a spiritual point of view. So they have identifying marks for different religious sects, said in the Bible that those in the revelations I think that those who wear the footprint of God on their head they will be isn't it they will be saved so this is the footprint something like that. hmm mark of the beast mark of the beast okay so there's two different ones the mark of the beast and the mark of God I think. he kills all those except for the mark of yeah, I'm not, I'm not, there's two references one is the mark of the beast is it good or bad well, that's not good, but the, uh, anyway, we have to look at the verse. There's another mark that's good, that protects you. Hmm? So when you wear this, it protects you, because people ask you, what are you about, and then you have to talk about it, and so forth, and that protects you. In the Old Testament, it said that you are to take the blood to represent the blood of God. Or blood. This is before Jesus came. They said that Jesus was still coming. That you had to take the blood, and you had to mark your doorway. Mm-hmm. And then, then you wouldn't get killed by the yeah, yeah. yeah so anyway, markings. <clears throat> so, Govardhan is the tea lock 
of the Brudge. And he very then openly and proudly proclaims his devotion for Krishna, hmm? as the Tilak does. But the gopis can't do that. Hmm? This is the nature of their love. So they're, in one sense, Radharani is considering them weak compared to the proud and strong, overt expression of devotion that we see in Gobardhan. Hmm? Vishnu Chakravitakra is called, is referred to the hills of Vrindavan as being in, in Sakyarasa. So they tend to be proud of their love openly for Krishna. <laughs> so there's some scope for seeing the Govardhan as not only a manifestation of Krishna, as much as the Dham, the abode, is non different from him, but also as the friend of him or the devotee of him. And that's brought out here in the next word. She says, Hantayam Adir Abala Haridasabaryo. So she's saying that all oh, my dear um friends, just how piteous is our weak condition. We have no love, we can't we don't show it openly. Then neither could we. What a bind we're in and so on and so forth. And meanwhile, Goberdan, hmm, the mount Goberdan, is so such a nice example of devotion. She refers to him as Hari Das, which means, Das means servant. Hari is a name for Krishna, means who steals away the heart. Hari Das Varya, hmm? the best of the Hari Dasas, the best of the servants of Krishna, she refers to Govardhan. Chakravarti Thakur, in his commentary on this verse of the Bhagavatam, points out to us that there are two other times in the text where the term Haridas is used once in relation to Yudhisthira, once in, the rela- in relation to Uddhava, hmm? and now in this instance in relation to Govardhan. And he plays out the idea that progressively from Yudhisthira to Uddhava, as explained in Brihad Bhagavatamrita of Sanatana Goswami, there is an intensity of ecstasy of love of God hmm? from Hastinapura, of the Pandavas, in that realm to Dwarka and Mathura, where Uddhava is, and Uddhava was also sent to Vrindavan, where he became educated and influenced by the gopis' love and inspired for the intensity of it to come within his own love, desiring to be born as a, like a stone there or a blade of grass, something like that. Then we come to Govardhan. Hmm? So there's a development of, of intimacy and love of God. And on that basis, Haridas, the Haridas here referring to Govardhan as a servant of Krishna, is uh, also added to that the idea of Varya, the best, so, Bara, the best Haridas. Hmm? It means that he towers above Vrindavan like a mountain is he, that he is, and he knows thereby all of the leelas, all of the pastimes of Radha and Krishna. There's nothing that escapes him because he can see over everywhere. Hmm? And so they're thinking... He is a great devotee. He sees all the leaders, he knows them all, and he proclaims devotion to Krishna everywhere, celebrating the, the, the place of Vrindavan. Hmm? And so we should go to him. Hmm? We should go to him and take shelter of him. They learned, these gopis, from Gargi, the daughter of Gargamuni. Hmm? The story of Govardhan coming to Vrindavan is given in the Garga Samhita. And Gargi told the gopis that oh this 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 Govardhan is 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 the best of of, of, of Vaishnavas of devotees. So, so they're thinking, 
we should go there, we should get his association. We should, in there, of course, because he's a great devotee, Krishna's always going there with his cows. And if we happen to go to go with him without the chance to have his darshan, to, to see him, that will be our, our good fortune. How we go there? How we go there? Hmm. The suggestion is we'll go there to worship Haridev, ostensibly. Haridev is the deity, a deity, the famous deity that's established uh, at Govardhan, considered to be like the deity, like the heart of Govardhan, Govardhan surrounding this Haridev. Hmm? And, um, and so, if, in other words, we tell our parents, we're going to go to worship the deity Haridev, very nice, girls, go. Very good idea. Hmm? But secretly, their idea is that they'll go, they're going not to worship Haridev, but to worship Haridas Bharya, the devotee of Haridev, in the form of Govardhan, who, being a great devotee, then naturally other devotees want to go and live around him. So they'll have the association of so many devotees, and service of the devotees is more fruitful than service directly to God or to Krishna. Because they are, they are the mer- extension of Krishna's mercy. God has no experience of our our suffering. If he did, then that'd be a problem, right? Because hmm? he has to be above the suffering of material existence, and the experience of material suffering is based on attachment and illusion. So God has no attachment and no illusion. So he has no direct experience of our suffering. So his ability to be empathetic, in one sense is lacking, because if you have the experience of the suffering of others, it's easier to be empathetic for them. But this problem, if you will, as it appears, God's not empathetic for our suffering, is resolved in our theology in the form of the devotees who are extensions of Krishna's mercy, whom he is directly compassionate for in terms of their ideal and their pursuit of love of God that he has experience of. And those devotees also have experience of the suffering of the world, and so they can be instruments through which his own compassion is extended to the general people. Therefore, it's thought that the worship of the devotees is more important, if you will, than the worship of Krishna, or the association of them, keeping their company, like we gather together to have company with one another. And, and what, what, what goes on here? And here we find out about Krishna. We talk about him more, and so forth. So, so where is where is Krishna? You see, in the heart of the of the devotees, and then they speak about it, and they mutually enlighten one another, and they and they and he becomes present in their talks, in their discussions, in their kirtans, and so forth. So the gopis, in the context of the leader, they're teaching this this as sadhakas. Hmm? Hmm. We go ostensibly to worship Haridev, but absolutely want to associate with Haridas, Varya, get his association, service of the devotee, is is more pleasing to Krishna than service to Krishna directly. If you love me, then love my dog. Something like it's an easy way. If Krishna loves somebody and you like that person, then his attention will naturally go to you. Is the idea. This is the good strategy they have here. Hmm? And so, Hantaya Madhur Abala Haridasa Bar Yo. 
यद्रामकृष्ण चरण स्पर्श प्रमोदा मानम तुनौति सहगोगुण योजनीय सुयाव सकंदर कंद मूल so they go on and explain how it is in some practical sense that haridas the govardhan is the best servant of krishna they say that balaram ram and krishna the brother of krishna and krishna charana their feet sparsha they touch govardhan because they're sporting on the hill and so forth on the mountain with their cows and pramoda it causes govardhan to erupt in ecstasy and so they're seeing the mountain personified in such a way as that the mountain streams are the tears pouring from the mountain's eyes as they get touched by the feet of Ram and Krishna and their friends and cows hmm? and the, the the grass on the mountain st- stands up like like horripilation like hair is standing on end this kind of so they're seeing the mountain is if in ecstasy and actually so at the uh, at the touch of krishna's feet and the feet of his friends and so forth um and 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 they see govardhan manam tonoti sahagogonayostayoyat govardhan is like offering respect offering his whole body to krishna which is what they do of course they're seeing him they're seeing their own extending their own bhava and to other things one sees others to be like oneself something like that so so they um glorify him in this way and then they speak about uh his um uh paniya suyavasa kandara kandamulai these are the water um also first it's it's referred to pramoda as tears an example of ecstasy and secondarily uh, the, the water is well directly um mentioned here pani as 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 water in the streams offers uh foot wash to wash the feet of krishna this is when we do the puja the worship of krishna in the morning in ritual and so then there's the washing of bathing of krishna hmm? and uh, suvasa su su uh, uh suyabasa soft grass hmm? it refers to the 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 druva grass or the grass by which you make with which you make the argya hmm? certain kind of mouthwash that's offered to krishna with spices and so so basically he's she's describing different um natural phenomena if you will on the hill and seeing them as all the ingredients of the seva puja they're in the base of the full uh ritualistic worship in the morning is 64 items that are offered to krishna in his gopal champu book of jiva goswami he beautifully describes govardhan hill and how all of the 64 items in worship are found on govardhan hill and the breezes that naturally come as the fanning fan that's offered to krishna there are shiny rocks in which you can see a reflection that are the mirror that you offer after dressing the deity and so on and so forth and and so in this way also it's interesting to point out that the archan which is the worship of the deity which is like the realm of ritual that's in between the material world and the spiritual world where time and eternity meet the deity is crafted out of stone 
but seen with eyes of love and and it's a meeting between the temporal and the eternal it, the ingredients appear to be material but the result of the worship according to the scripture followed properly done is that one experiences e- the eternal hmm? so there's this meeting ground and there's certain there's language there and procedures and so on and so forth for offering and and, and, and symbolically the lila is represented in the in the realm of ritual and the realm of ritual is manifest also in the realm in the in the transcendent realm itself and this is an example of that that the govardhan is doing the artik and offering the puja and so on and so forth and the gopis are seeing it in this way so nothing is left behind in the words so the like i said the varnashram is there the vaidhi bhakti is there the 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 the, the, the seva puja is going on hmm? And 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 more. Hmm? So, and so she mentions a few things here: uh, the the water for for bathing, for drinking, the soft grasses, the caves. Hmm? He offers as 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 resting places under the come out of the sun, rest in the in the coolness of the of the cave, or or get out of the rain. Hmm? And there are natural roots and so forth that are edibles there and so forth. So in this way. The hill is offering itself and doing the full puja of Krishna, and the gopis are glorifying Govardhan as the best servant of Krishna. Radha is, even though she's the best servant of Krishna, she's projecting that on the Govardhan, and of course, from other points of view, he is is uh, an extraordinary example of devotion itself. So these are the two sides of Govardhan. He is a manifestation of Krishna and a manifestation of devotion to Krishna, a prominent one. Hmm? And um, as we see, Mahaprabhu seemed to like this verse and uh, uttered it twice in his Leela, once in Mathura and once in Jagannath Puri. And at the time, to go back to that, in our beginning, where he spoke it in Jagannath Puri, another very special thing occurred, and I don't know if I mentioned it, but I guess I did briefly, but when he was in the trance and he saw the Govardhan Hill and he saw the Gopas and Gopis, Gopas and cowherds, and then Radha and Gopis came. Radha and Krishna united. They went into the cave and then he was asked to pick flowers and bring them. This is thought to be then an instance in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tasted or experienced the ecstasy that he, by which he makes Radha's experience of Radha's love for Krishna available to the general public. He tasted that love directly because he is Krishna cultivating and, and entering into the mood of Radha. Hmm? But you and I cannot become Radha. Radha and Krishna are one and different at the same time. Two, two bodies, one soul, something like that. There's ecstasy of love of God, and then there's God. The two go together. Love of God and God, the perfect object of love. So they're one and different. So for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for Krishna, who's Chaitanya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who's Krishna, to become Radha, there's a possibility of that, so to speak, to take her, her vantage point and see himself from that vantage point. But for us to become Radha, that's not possible. But 
This is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to experience. And then there's a way by which other devotees can also come as close as possible to the exact experience that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had. And that is through becoming a handmaiden of Radha and assisting in the affairs of Radha and Krishna. Rather than directly being involved, hmm, like Radha is loving Krishna, to serve Radha and Krishna and facilitate in various ways their uh, union. Hmm. So it's thought that by picking the, being asked by other gopis, sakis, to do some service to Radha and Krishna, the Manjari is not even a, f- a friend of Radha and Krishna as much as a servant of Radha and Krishna. She has friends also. They're friends, but they're servant friends. So they, he was asked to do some menial service, if you will, for Radha and Krishna. So it's thought that for a moment here, and this is in the context of glorifying Govardhan, Mahaprabhu also tasted the bhava that Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, Raghunath Goswami, and largely our Sampradaya is, is primarily offering to the world. That Nityananda Prabhu so much wanted people to have the opportunity to experience, and therefore brought so much attention to Mahaprabhu and his gift and so on and so forth. Even though he was in Sakyarasa and refined Sakyarasa, therefore, in the Sampradaya, it's an assisting um, role. And in the context of Gaurila, it assists, as we see in the, the person of, Mahap, of Nityananda Prabhu, in bringing attention to that uh, possibility of, 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 of um, tasting Radha's love for Krishna by way of... Um, becoming the handmaiden of Radha, the ideas that become so absorbed in the service of Radha that whatever she experiences in relation to Krishna, one handmaiden experiences vicariously. So it's possible you could be so identified hmm, with another person, like in Christianity, you have somebody so identified with the Christ that sometimes the stigmata, the markings of the Christ appear on some of the saints and so forth, isn't it? So some kind of a similar idea like this. This is what Mahaprabhu offered the world, an arpita charim charat charat kurnayabhatina kaho samarapaitam unatojla rasam sabhakti sriyam hari purata sundara dhyuti kadam basandi pitaha sadahadaya kandare spurathova sachi nandanaha So this is a little bit introductory um, discussion as to how through Gaur-lila we can enter into Krishna Leela, and we're entering into it in relation to Govardhan, um, who's, this is the, the day that we celebrate the Govardhan Leela, which is a whole Leela centered around the Govardhan and a whole other discussion, of course. Uh, we're talking about a very high side of something that the Leela of the Govardhan Hill, where Krishna lifts the hill, ostensibly speaks about the the ground on which one has to stand to experience such a high thing. That's called sharanagati, like surrender, like giving up submission and so forth. Hmm? Because of the, during the Leela, of course, then everyone took shelter of Krishna. He lifted the mountain, protected from Indra. And Krishna said, I shall have no other gods before me to use a I mean, we're in a Baptist country here, so it's worth these references. may be useful. Shall have no other God before me. He's a jealous God, something like that, as they say. Mm-hmm. 
So they're in Hinduism, they're gods and goddesses that that personify different aspects of nature that we're dependent upon hmm, for our livelihood. And so there's a kind of a way of looking at the world with gratitude, respecting nature, and worshiping the gods and goddesses, personifying the different aspects of nature. But all of their power to bestow whatever it, it, they may bestow materially upon us that we may function is dependent upon the power of the Godhead himself, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so Krishna wanted to teach in this Leela this very point, that whatever the gods or goddesses of sorts can, pow- can bestow really comes from me alone, so I should be venerated, I should be taken shelter of, and that will give you com- comprehensive protection from everything, everything that you could possibly need, I will supply and more than you could possibly imagine that you need. Hmm? You want to be happy He's, by getting things. I can drown you in an ocean of ecstasy. Hmm? Yeah. Something like that. So take shelter of me alone. Ma may come, Sharanam Braja. This is the Govardhan Leela. Among other things, this is kind of an overarching uh, teaching that the Leela um, emphasizes. Hmm? The inhabitants were worshiping the rain god Indra, heaven, to get rain for the for the for the grasses on Govardhan to grow, so that the cows could be nourished, so that they could have a good livelihood. And Krishna said, "Stop this ritual. Hmm. We'll just worship the Govardhan hill." He started a new ritual, and then he showed himself to be the hill, and of course, then he lifted the hill and so forth. Someone who most of you are familiar with the with the story, and hence on a day like this, we make a hill. <laughs> uh, and uh, and remember these beautiful um, and very instructive pastimes of Radha and Krishna. Shri Giraj Govardhan Maharaj Ki Jai, Radha Madhava Ki Jai, Sriman Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gaur Premanande Ri Ho, Vanchakal Patrujya.